Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, Kristen here. Welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Today I am celebrating 50 episodes, 50 episodes of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so thrilled that we've made it to 50 episodes for all of the incredible feedback that I've gotten from you listeners. I just wanted to take a second to thank each and every one of you who comes back and listens week after week, those of you who have submitted questions, those of you who have submitted reviews or star ratings. Friends, I appreciate it so much. And if you haven't left a rating and a review yet, I would be so appreciative if you just hopped on to iTunes and left a star rating and a review and told me what you love about the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. It really helps the podcast be seen and heard um, by more women who need to hear it or who might enjoy the guests that I have on. This podcast is not going anywhere anytime soon. It is one of my favorite things that I have done with my business and I'm so grateful every day that this gets to be a part of my job. I get to interview some really incredible guests. I get to share some topics that are on my heart and things that are really important to me. And it's just a really cool avenue to be able to share them. So I'm really grateful for it. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. And I'm so excited that we are halfway to 100 episodes. So I have already done a couple Q&A episodes. Um, I think today is going to be my third Q&A episode, but I actually wanted to start off the episode today just by kind of sharing a little life update with all of you guys. I really want to be more intentional about sharing my life with you guys because you come on to this podcast each and every week or every couple of weeks to listen to me chat about some of the topics I find important, whether we're talking about intuitive eating or living a healthier life or having guests on, sharing with you what it means to live a balanced life. But I want to share with you a little bit more about my life so you know who the girl behind the podcast actually is and you're not just coming on listening to my advice or my wisdom or me interviewing these guests and have no idea who I am. Now, if you follow me over on Instagram, I share a lot on Instagram stories and in my feed. But if you're not over on Instagram, and you you should be if you're not um, already following me on Instagram, I would love to have you. I'm at Healthy Mama Chris. If you have an Instagram, I'm also at Healthy Mama Chris on Facebook. I just don't spend as much time on Facebook as I do on Instagram. Um, But if you're not over there, I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of a life update and share a little bit more with you. I'm not going to do this every week, but at least during these Q&A episodes, I can kind of share with you a little bit about me and what's going on with my life so you can get to know me a little bit more uh, before I kind of jump into questions. So first and foremost, what's going on in my life kind of right now this week um, is my littlest lady is turning two at the end of the week, which just seems so crazy. I know those of you who are listening who have teenagers or kids in college probably think I'm crazy, but these past two years have certainly flown by, especially with the second. Um, Our oldest actually turns six in two weeks, uh, two weeks from Thursday. They're exactly two weeks apart. My due date with my youngest was the day after my oldest's birthday, so we had to kind of prepare her if baby came on her birthday. We almost had two kids who uh, could have had the same birthday or birthdays just a day apart, but um, thankfully she came two weeks early and she's actually a Halloween baby. So I'm recording this on Monday the 28th. So by the time this comes out, she will already be two. But it's pretty crazy to think about the last couple of years. And in my head, I feel like she's still a newborn. But then I watch her run around and now she's talking and, um, you know, definitely running everywhere, climbing, playing with her sister, developing her own little personality, which is, is so fun to see. I know we've already kind of gone through all of that with 
our oldest, but it's really cool to see how their personalities are similar and how their personalities are different. And now that she's a little bit older, being able to interact with her older sister, which is just so fun and and such a blessing so this weekend we're doing a little um kind of family party with a couple of friends it's a baby shark party because girl is super into baby shark these days she is singing baby shark all day long and it's adorable so her big sister sage and i are making her a baby shark cake and we're just gonna have some friends and family over for cake and ice cream after we go to the aquarium which she's never been to the aquarium is about an hour away so that's gonna be a big surprise so that's going to be fun. And then two weeks later, we'll be doing our birthday party for um, our big kid. She wants a princess spa party. And I'm still not quite sure what that means, but we're going to work on that together. She told me that she wants tiny little bruschetta toasts and um, spa things. So that's kind of, those are the big things in our world right now. Um, and aside from birthdays coming up, we are inching really close to the holiday season. As soon as both of my girls have their birthdays, it's so close to Thanksgiving. It's like we're jumping headfirst into the holiday season, which is crazy to me. But it really is my favorite time of the year. As much as I love the spring and the summer and the warmth, and I do miss that during the winter time. I love the holiday season and getting together with friends and family and all of the tastes and the scents and the experiences around the holidays. So that's really special and exciting, especially especially because my girls are getting older and they're experiencing it more and enjoying it. And my oldest is remembering traditions and reminding me of the traditions we've done in the past and the things that she wants to do too. So actually, um, you know, it'd be really fun if you guys let me know on either the Instagram post or the Facebook posts um, after you listen to this, what your favorite family holiday traditions are. I really want this to be um, a conversation. I know I'm back here standing or sitting behind the microphone, but I would love if you guys shared with me what your favorite family holiday, holiday tradition is. And then I'll come back in the next episode, I chat on and kind of share with you some of our favorite holiday traditions. So that's kind of what's coming up. Um, I've got a couple new projects coming out in the new year, which is exciting. And so I'm kind of gearing up for those. I've got a couple web classes happening at the end of the year and a couple new projects going into the new year. I've got a brand new program that's going to be coming out in the first couple months of the year. So that's fun. I can't wait to release that to you. It's definitely not ready yet. It's almost ready for the beta testers and then they're going to dig into that. Um, and then of course we're gearing up for the next release of the Supermama Society, it's getting um, some big changes and that's going to be releasing in January. So that's kind of what I've been working on behind the scenes aside from recording episodes for the podcast over here. And pretty soon I'm going to start releasing some episodes for a series on goal setting and habits moving into the new year. So all of that is kind of what's what I've been working on and what's been going on in our life. And all of that has been exciting. It's been a really joyful season. We're starting to settle down after what was like a really crazy busy summer as my husband's career is picking up. He was gone a lot and having both kids at home and very active has been a really, a really interesting season for us. Learning how to transition into school life, which has been crazy and, um, difficult at times but also really fun to hear my oldest come home she's in kindergarten now and to come home and, and share about her friends and the things she's doing at school that she loves and the things that she doesn't love apparently she's not into math right now so she might be her mother's daughter <laughs> but she loves you know art class and music class and writing and they do these um papers every week it's like weekly news and so she shares something that she did on the weekend and it's so funny to see what she actually chooses, like the things that she chooses to share about on the weekend. Like last weekend, we had a fully packed weekend where we did a whole bunch of stuff as a family. We did like apple picking and what else did we do? We like went out to lunch and we did a whole bunch of stuff to get, oh, we went on a hike. And it was this great, wonderful, full weekend. And the thing that she wanted to share about was the fact that daddy brought her to Petco while mommy was meal prepping on Sunday which is so funny. But you know what? I love that those small memories are the things that stick with her and the things that she loves. So that's kind of, that's where we're coming from. That's where we're at right now towards the end of October, starting to move into, or really it'll be the beginning of November when you're listening to this and, and moving into the holiday season. So 
I think that's all I have really for updates. I just kind of wanted to share a little bit with you about what's going on in our life and um, where I'm at right now and, and what I'm working on. And I'll share more with you in the near future, I'm sure. And if there's anything specific other than the questions that I'm going to answer today, of course, that you want me to share about when I do these little, I guess, check-ins, let me know. Cause I can always, I can always add more. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want with it. So if you're like, I want to know what the best thing you ate this week was, I can't even think of that off the top of my head. But if you want to know something like that, go ahead and, uh, shoot me an email, chris at healthymamachris.com, or you can go ahead and, you know, comment on Instagram or Facebook and, and let me know over there too, or DMs. That's a really good way to get in touch with me. So let's go ahead and jump into questions. So I have three questions that I'm going to answer today for today's Q&A episode, and I'm just going to kind of take them one by one and share with you. I have a couple of notes written up, but for the most part, this is just kind of off the cuff, me answering the questions that you have about everything from life to health um, and a little bit about intuitive eating too. So let's go ahead and dig in. Okay, question number one. As a mom and business owner, what tips do you have for work-life balance? Oh gosh, you guys, <laughs> this is the million, the million dollar question, right? Work-life balance is hard, especially if you are an entrepreneur as I am, someone who's really passionate about what they do and also passionate about my family and being a mom. And I care a lot about my kids and my family and I want to spend a lot of time with them, but I also really love what I do and my clients and balance is hard. It really is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and be like, oh, it's easy. I just work when I work and I'm with my family when I'm with my family. It's really taken a lot of time and learning how to set boundaries in order to create a work-life balance that works for me. And I truly think that everyone's work-life balance and what that looks like is going to be different. Especially, you know, every mom's got a different job and, um, or not, you know, some moms, their job is just being a mom. And I don't mean that in just a mom. Being a mom is a job in and of itself. Um, but some moms work outside of the home. Some moms work in the home. Some moms um, homeschool. So everyone's a little bit different. And this year, in particular for me, has been a huge year of growth as a mom and as a business owner. As, you know, I'm coming back, my daughter, like I said, is turning two. And so I slowed things down a lot in her first year of life. And then I picked it up a lot over the last year as I worked on my certification as an intuitive eating counselor. I started the podcast. I took on um, a higher client load, especially as she started to go into daycare for the first time. I've had a little bit more time I've done more workshops. I've done more cooking classes. I've done a lot more this year. Um, and at the same time, because my kids have gotten older, though they do things like, you know, activities and they go to, both of them go to school at least for a few hours a week. It's definitely been hard to figure out my balance. So I have learned a few things over the last year. And I think the first thing that I've learned and the first thing that's most important, I already kind of mentioned this, but I, I put a lot of boundaries around my time where I should say I do my best to put boundaries around my time. So I like to use a block scheduling system um, so I can get my work done and the things I need to do for my family done in blocks of time and I have freedom during those blocks of time to do the things that I need to do whether it's cleaning the house or recording a podcast or answering client emails and then of course things like client sessions and workshops those are all blocked out as well but I have work blocks and I have self-care blocks and I have house cleaning blocks and meal prepping blocks so what this does is allows me to be present when my kids need me and when my kids are around. And what I find is that when the lines get blurred, when I'm trying to clean the house, when I mean, I'll clean the house when they're around and they're playing, when they're kind of doing independent play or they're playing together. But if I'm like trying to do a deep house clean, and I'm certainly not going to be recording a podcast when they're up and playing or whatever, um, or I'm trying to answer emails or something like that when they're around, I don't do this often anymore. 
But I know when my oldest was younger, I would try and like, you know, she's watching a show and so I would try and get some emails done, but I'm not concentrated on the task at hand when I'm doing this, so I'm not putting in my best effort. And then I get stressed and anxious about not being able to put everything that I can into the work that I'm doing, and then also stressed and anxious about the fact that I'm not spending time with my kids with my kiddo. And that's not the type of mom I want to be. That's not the type of business owner I want to be. That's not the type of coach I want to be. If I'm answering an email, especially if it's to a client or somebody that I'm working with, I need to be concentrated and intentional about answering that email. And the same thing when I'm with my kids. I want to be on the floor playing with my kids, doing Play-Doh with my kids, you know, coloring with my oldest, doing whatever they want me to do fully intentionally, fully present with them. So it really does allow me to be more intentional with my time and be more present in the task at hand. So typically I will work in the morning before my family wakes up. So I love waking up early. So I wake up like 5, 5.30 in the morning and I have a little bit of time Typically, I like empty the dishwasher, have my lemon water, um, do a devotional or do a little scripture reading, journaling, and then I spend a couple hours working. When the girls wake up, I'll greet them, I make lunches, and then my husband typically does breakfast and um, dressing, like dressing the girls and getting them out to the bus or at least getting my oldest out to the bus while I get some movement in on the days that I want to do some sort of workout. And then I'm present with my youngest all morning until she goes to daycare a couple days a week or until nap time. I put away my phone, you know, I'll take pictures now and then. But other than that, I put away my phone, I put away my computer, it is closed during this time. I do not pick it up until she is at daycare or taking a nap. And then I open it up. And then I know that I don't have to worry about her because she's at daycare, she's at, you know, or she's having a nap. And I can be fully concentrated on what I'm doing. And then I know that I have spent that time with her being present, being intentional. And I won't lie. There are times where my brain is wandering. If I've got big projects working on and or if I've got a podcast that I want to record that I've been trying to record for a week or something like that, it is hard sometimes to stay intentional and to stay present. But that's why I have these boundaries. So I do the best I can because I'm human. But I do need to set those boundaries so that I am able to be present in whatever area of life it is. So typically I work twice a week for like three solid hours while she goes to daycare. And then my mom also comes once a week and either stays for a full or a half day, depending on whether or not we have mops, because we will go to mops in the morning one day, uh, one day, twice a month. And then um, I'll also work, like I said, during nap time. And then every once in a while, if I've got a big project going on while my husband gets the kids off to bed, I'll go and work for a couple hours at like Starbucks or Barnes & Noble. But typically, that's my work day. I try not to work when they're around. And like I said, it makes me stressed and anxious when I do. So that's not good for myself or my health um, either. So I really try and be intentional about that. Um... And like I said, I will also map out specific times for other tasks, not just work and the kids, but also things like making sure that I'm getting the laundry done and I'm keeping the house clean because I find myself, you know, very distracted if the house, if there's messes around while I'm trying to get my work done or while I'm trying to play with the kids. So I make sure to set aside those times so I'm not just taking care of my kids and my work, but also the house and also myself and Like I said, I'm not perfect. This doesn't always happen as planned. There are weeks where we're busy or we're out and about a lot more, or there's also weeks where I'm a little bit busier with work and those blocks just don't happen. And that's okay. But when I try and stick to this the best I can, it really helps to make me a better mom, a better wife. I like to block out special time for my husband and I to spend together. So whether it's date night at the end of the week or shutting things down in the evening so we can actually spend some time together, like talking, not just at dinner where the kids are talking and going crazy, but really have some time to spend together when he's around because he he does go away a lot. So it's nice to spend time together, especially this time of the year when he's not away most of the time. And then when we're out with friends or out as a family, I do my best to put my phone away and just be present. And also during mealtime, like I said, it can get crazy with kids, but we try and do meals together as many nights a week as we can and be present that way so we can spend that family time together. So I think what I'm trying to say is 
it's never going to be perfect, at least not for me, but I try and put up these boundaries. I try and create these blocks so that when I am doing the activities that I'm doing, I'm all in doing whatever activities it is, whether it's for work, whether it's my kids, whether it's with my husband, or whether it's things like cooking and cleaning and all that. And I won't lie, that's typically the thing that tends to go is, well, I didn't really spend much time cleaning the house this week, but at least I spent some time with my kids and my husband and I got my work done. And those are my priorities. It is important to me that we live in a clean house and we have clean laundry and all that, but I prioritize things. So I guess, you know, that's also important that I have boundaries, I block out my schedule, and I prioritize the things that are that are most important to me. And that's how I've learned to to stay present for these things and to kind of create this balance that works for me. So I hope that answered your question. I hope that's a little bit helpful, especially, you know, for the moms who are either like just becoming moms and they have to kind of figure out that balance, which is hard. I totally get that. Or maybe they're starting their own business. It can be hard and it does take time. So give yourself some grace. It takes time to find that balance and everyone's different. But those are a couple of things that have, have helped me maintain that balance because When I talk about living a healthy, balanced mama life, it really does mean balance in every area. I don't think it's just balance with your food and your movement and your mindset, but it really is balance in every area of your life. That is truly what holistic health is. It's health in every area. It's mind, it's body, it's spirit, it's family. And if, you know, your health and your self-care is lacking in any of those areas, then you're not truly living that balanced life. And I keep saying it's never going to be perfect. And balance isn't static. It changes depending on the seasons. But I think getting into the routines that really feel good for us and following our intuition um, when something doesn't feel right for us and changing it when we need to can be really powerful in finding that, that balance that works for us. So let's move on to question number two. The second question I got are, what tips do you have for boosting your family's immune system over the winter months? Okay, you guys, this is really fun. Um, I have a whole video on this in the Supermama Society coming out in November. So if you're a part of the Supermama Society, by the time this comes out on Monday, if you haven't already checked in to the Supermama Society um, November Digest, I always send out an email. There's a whole video all about winter wellness and how to stay healthy physically during the winter time because winter time is cold and flu season and it especially with young kids especially if your kids are in school or they leave the house at all and you don't keep them in a bubble kids are kind of germ factories so it's important to do what we can to keep ourselves healthy over the winter time so we can enjoy the season and not feel like we're on a constant cycle of sickness. Though I've been there, no shame. If this happens, it happens sometimes. But I have a couple tips um, to give you a little bit of advice on things that we do in order to keep our immune systems humming and to stay a little bit healthier over the winter time. Um, and if you do join us in January in the Super Mama Society, that's when we open next. You'll be able to get the video because you'll be able to get all of the all of the past videos and audios and things like that that are in the Super Mama Society come January. But for now, here are a few things that we do to keep our immune systems healthy over the wintertime. So the first thing we do is we try to do some preventative measures um, by taking just a couple strategic supplements to keep our bodies healthy. So one of the things I love to do is rotate taking elderberry. So elderberry has been proven in studies to reduce um, the reduce the amount of illnesses that you get and also reduce the the time that you're sick. So elderberry is really powerful. It's a berry. You can make your own syrup. Like you can buy the berries on Amazon or wherever. If you can buy them locally, even better. And you can boil them and create your own syrup if you want to. I buy one. We either use Gaia Herbs or there's a, there's a local one by a Vermont company. I think it's called Honey Gardens that we really love. And it also has zinc and raw honey in it. And um, bee products are also really good for your immune system. And I'll talk about those later. Um, But we take elderberry. And so the way I like to take anything like this, um, other than the couple of supplements that we take on a regular basis, is any sort of health supportive supplements. I like to rotate them so your body doesn't get used to them. So... There, So for elderberry, what I'll do is we will finish a bottle and then wait like a month and then 
take it again, just to keep our immune system um, primed and ready for anything that might come our way. So for um, so for us, typically what we'll do and what we did this year was the month before school started, or, and we're actually really a couple weeks before school started and the first couple weeks of school, we had the girls taking elderberry every single morning before they went off to school. And then we took a month off, and now we're back to taking elderberry again. Every day we alternate between the liquid. I take the liquid, and my husband takes the liquid, and gummies for the kids because they like those too. And we just look for a gummy that's lower in sugar and doesn't really have any other ingredients. I think Garden of Life is the one that we're using right now. And I cut them in half for my two-year-old because she's little. Um, She can handle a half. The full one isn't so great for her um, just because it's a choking hazard. And so we'll do that. We'll take elderberry. That's a really great one. Um, And it's been, you know, it's been shown in a lot of studies to be really helpful. And we notice that that it definitely helps with the length of illness. So we will take more elderberry when we are sick too. So we'll take it on the regular and then we'll take more if we do happen to get sick. And I I definitely notice it lessens the severity of our illness if we have a cold or whatever. Um, The other two things that we take, um, both adults and kids, on a daily basis, and we take these consistently, are vitamin D. So vitamin D is a part of over 2,000 DNA reactions, and it's an incredibly important vitamin for the immune system. So a lot of people think of the immune system and they think of vitamin C. And vitamin C is really important for healing, but vitamin D is really important. Um, it's kind of like the the it seeks and destroys. <laughs> so it like it um, it finds the pathogen and it signals the pathogen to be destroyed. If that makes sense. So vitamin D assists in the immune process. So vitamin D is really helpful. Most of us in North America are low on vitamin D, um, and it's really easy to get tested. So I would go to your doctor and get tested, whether you're in the U.S. or Canada, it's really inexpensive. It's like less than 40 bucks. You can go ahead and get tested, find out if you're low, and then your doctor can help you decide how much is a good dose for you. Um, And then the other thing that we take is probiotics. So probiotics, gut health is in in and of itself is incredibly important for the immune system because 70 to 80% of our immune system is in our gut. So we take probiotics on the regular to ensure that we have a healthy amount of that good bacteria. We also like to include prebiotic um, foods in our diet as well. So that's things like underripe bananas, and we'll put those in smoothies, Um, things like um, grains that have been cooked and cooled. So we'll do like Um, quinoa or rice and cool it and then um, we'll like reheat it a little bit but we'll use that in like a stir fry um, or something like that and that can be really helpful to feed the good bacteria so prebiotics feed probiotics are that good bacteria and something that we do with probiotics is every 60 to 90 days so every two to three months once we're done with a bottle we'll switch out the brand So we'll go back to brands. We don't like use an absolutely new brand every single time, but we'll go through a few brands before using that brand again, just to make sure that we are getting a large variety of different types of bacteria. It's not just important that we have a large amount of of good bacteria in our gut. We also want a large variety because the bacteria does different things. So it's important to have a variety of bacteria. So elderberry, vitamin D, and probiotics, those are the things that we take regularly when it is cold and flu season. The other thing that we make sure to do in order to keep our immune system humming over the winter time is to eat a lot of anti-inflammatory foods and immune boosting foods. So some of the most common ones that people know about are garlic and ginger. So we try and include garlic and ginger in our foods that we eat on the regular. So we love cooked garlic and we love putting cooked garlic in any soups or stews or stir fries that we make, but it can be really powerful too to eat raw garlic. So the way we like to enjoy raw garlic is in things like hummus. And so we'll make hummus on the regular or salad dressings. So we'll make like a homemade Caesar dressing. And if you mince the garlic and let it sit, it actually activates allicin, which is the um, compound in garlic that has those antimicrobial properties. So that can, that can be really helpful too. So we like to do things like make 
homemade ranch, homemade Caesar, hummus, and have that around. So we have a little bit of the raw garlic, and then we also include cooked garlic as well. We will also include it in things like bone broth. And bone broth is really good for bone health. Uh, bone health. Um, it actually is good for bone and joint health, but it's good for gut health as well. So that's another way to boost your immune system um, and boost your gut health is by drinking bone broth. And I just like to have a hot mug of bone broth with a pinch of sea salt kind of in the afternoon, almost like a tea. And it's really, I I notice when I'm taking enough, when I'm drinking bone broth and how good it feels in my gut because I have some chronic digestive issues. And so I definitely notice a difference when I'm drinking bone broth on the regular just my digestive system feeling a lot better overall. And we'll also put ginger in our bone broth when we make bone broth too. And the way we make bone broth is really simple. So we'll cook a chicken or sometimes we'll get bones. So when ButcherBox has beef bones available, we'll do beef bones. If not, we will cook a chicken and then shred off all the meat, use that in our cooking. And then we'll take the bones, add carrot, celery, onion, whatever herbs we have on hand, garlic, ginger, fill it up with water and leave it overnight for 12 hours and then let it cool. So um, when I say leave it, we put it in the slow cooker or the instant pot on slow cooker setting. Um, So overnight, at least 12 hours, and then we let it sit until it's cool, until it's cool. And then we strain it and then we use it in soups and stews or we drink it just like I said. And that's a great way to get in garlic. It's a great way to get in ginger. And ginger um, is also something that's really great in stir fries. It's great in dressings. I make this peanut dressing that is just to die for. And so I'll put some fresh ginger in there. So that's a good one for the immune system as well. So we try and just be more intentional about getting things like garlic and ginger in on the regular. We also, I, I, you've probably heard me say this before, but I love drinking lemon water first thing in the morning. And that's a great way to get in a little bit more vitamin C. So we'll have lemons around, especially because it's citrus season. We try and get in a lot of citrus. But as long as we're getting in a variety of vegetables, um, broccoli is also high in vitamin C, so are bell peppers. So we tend to think of fruit when we think of vitamin C, but there's actually leafy greens like kale, broccoli, bell pepper, like I said. These are great ways to get in vitamin C too. So just making sure that we have a variety of vegetables throughout the winter. It can be really easy to eat lots of like cozy casseroles and dishes that don't have a lot of vegetables and there is nothing wrong with those whatsoever. But adding in the vegetables and making sure you're getting those just as a little immune system boost can be really helpful as well. Something else we love to have on hand and to use over the cold and flu season or really all year long is raw honey. So if you can get a local honey, that's the absolute best um, because it's really helpful because the bees pollinate the flowers. It can be really helpful for any sort of like allergic um, reactions that you're having, not allergies to bees, but um, to the environment, especially if you have allergies to, to pollen and that sort of thing. So Honey can be really helpful for that, but it's also really great for the immune system. So we'll put some honey in our tea. You don't want it too hot, but we'll put some honey in our tea. And we'll also use honey in things like baked goods. Um, It's also really high in minerals, which is good. And we'll drizzle it on yogurt. We'll put a little bit in a smoothie for the girls. So we use it in a variety of different ways. And we also use it if we one of us has a little bit of a cough or a scratchy throat, we'll do raw honey with cinnamon. I do it with a clove of garlic minced in. It's absolutely disgusting, but I swear by it. It works really, really well. (laughs) So for the girls, we'll just do a bunch of organic cinnamon in honey and they'll eat it. It's like a treat for them, but it does help their throat. It kind of soothes their throat, almost like a cough drop would. And so we keep that on hand. And the last anti-inflammatory foods, this isn't necessarily something that we give to the girls, though we will cook with them sometimes, but I love taking mushrooms. So you guys know I love Four Sigmatic not sponsored. I mean, if they want to, I love Four Sigmatic, but I love their mushroom blends and I will make a, like a shaga tea in the afternoon. Shaga is um, a mushroom that's really powerful for the immune system. And I also, I mean, all of the mushrooms are good for the immune system really, but that's one of my favorites. Shaga and turkey tail are both really good for the immune system. So I'll have that as a tea in the afternoon. I also like reishi for calming. And so that's that's a really good addition too. Um, and then I often take lion's mane in the morning uh, with my morning coffee because it can really help with focus. So when I have my morning work time, I really love taking that. So that's just a way that I like getting them in. My husband doesn't love mushrooms, so we don't cook with them as much, but they can be um, a really really powerful um, immune aid. So we like to keep them when I can. I'll hide them in foods and he doesn't mind. He's not going to be like mad at me if I hide them in things, but he just doesn't love 
the texture or the taste. So I don't do like sauteed mushrooms on top of any of our foods, but I'll sneak them in every now and again. But those are a couple things that we like to do. So just taking a couple supplements to help with our immune system, eating lots of anti-inflammatory foods, We also avoid overusing antibiotics. The World Health Organization has declared antibiotic resistance to be like one of the biggest medical crises of our generation. And just because they, (laughs) doctors were giving out antibiotics like candy when they found out how effective they were. And, but the problem is antibiotics are for bacterial infections. And a lot of doctors were giving them out just anytime someone was sick, hoping they would work. And what happens is, as a society, a lot of us have built up a resistance to antibiotics. And this isn't good because then when we really need them, they don't work as well or they don't work at all. So what we're just very particular about whether we or not we use antibiotics. So we don't just take them to take them. If we need them, we'll confirm that it's a bacterial infection before we take them. So we're not anti-medication by any means. I come from a family of pharmacists. We know the power of medicine, um, but we just don't overuse them. Same vein, we also don't overuse like antibacterial soaps or antibacterial like hand sanitizers. I'll definitely have hand sanitizer in my purse. I like something made with like essential oils, but we don't overuse it because we want to make sure that we are still building up that um, natural immune resistance. Your immune system, I like to think of your immune system as an army. So you don't want the weakest, most undertrained soldiers <laughs> trying to fight your battles for you. You want, they need to be built up in order to, and fight a little bit in order to be the, the strongest they can. They need some training. And so regularly exposing yourself just a little bit to the things in your environment can help to build your immune system. So we want to do things to protect our immune system, but it can be really, it can be healthy to just have a little bit of exposure to build up our immune system too. And so the last thing that we try and do, and this is mostly me and my husband rather than the kids. The kids are pretty good um, about this, but is getting enough sleep. So this is one that I am constantly working on because like I said earlier, I get up nice and early in the morning to get some work done and to have my quiet time in the morning. So this means getting to bed early enough when we don't get enough sleep, our bodies just don't function properly. And it has been shown that our immune systems are lowered when we don't get enough sleep. So trying to get to bed early enough because I do wake up early is really important, especially in this season. Thankfully, it's a little bit easier because it gets darker earlier. And that's just one of those cool things. I'm like, yeah, God, you got this right. Cold and flu season, it's a little bit darker earlier, at least where we are, um, that can be helpful because I want to go to bed by 9 p.m. in the wintertime because it's been dark for four hours, so I'm ready. Um, In the summertime, it's a lot harder to get that kind of sleep, but... So that's something I try and do. Um, Drinking lots of water can be really helpful, especially if you feel a cold or a flu coming on because water will help to produce that that mucus, which is one of our first immune defenses. Uh, I know it's gross, but it it is really helpful. And so that can be really helpful to drink a lot of water and just to keep your stress low as much as you can. So taking that time for you, taking that time for self-care, I try to be intentional about making sure my husband and I both have time to rest each and every day and weekly time to take time to us to rest. Like this past weekend, we had a bunch of birthday parties. And so one of the birthday parties, I took the girls and he just stayed home and chilled. He hung out. He had some time to himself. Would it have been helpful to have him at the birthday party? Yeah, for sure. But he didn't know the family, so he didn't need to come with us. It wasn't like he was ditching a party where he knew the people. He came to the next party the next day because he knew them. And it's not that he was being antisocial, but he works all day long. And he helps me with the kids at night. And he needs the time to himself, too. And the same thing with me. I will go hide out at Starbucks early morning on Saturdays and I have some time to me. I get some work done too, but it's a it's a really sacred time for me because I get that time to myself, not worrying about the kids waking up. And I also, you know, like to take baths and things like that and make sure that even in the busyness of life, I'm taking that time to take care of me, to reduce my cortisol levels, because when our body is in that state or of fight or flight, then it can't fight illness because it's fighting just living, right? It's feeling stressed constantly. It feels like it constantly needs to be running after a lion or a saber-toothed tiger. And when that happens, it's our defenses are down. So it can be something that is just paramount to our immune system is just making sure that we are taking care of ourselves by getting enough sleep, drinking lots of water, and just reducing our stress. 
So I hope that was helpful for a couple tips for boosting your assist, your immune system um, over the winter months. So like I said, if you want my full video on that, um, I hope you're thinking about joining us in the Super Mama Society come January, but that will be there too for a little bit more detail. But that's kind of the short version, um, short-ish version of some of the things that we like to do to help our immune system over the winter months. All right, so moving on to question number three. So this is more along the lines of intuitive eating. So this is a great, great question. Here it goes. How do I actually decide what to eat? I get the concepts of intuitive eating and honoring hunger, but I'm lost how to choose exactly what to eat for me. So like I said, this is a great question. Oh man, deciding what to eat is hard especially when you've ditched the outside sources telling you what to eat, the rules and the restrictions. It's really easy to follow a meal plan. I talk about this with my clients all the time because they're like, just give me a plan to follow. I just want a plan. I want to know what plan is going to help me become healthier and feel my best. But the problem is I can't tell I can't tell you what is going to help you feel your best. And I can help you with basic guidelines like, you know, let's eat more real food. That's going to make everyone feel a little bit better. But what real foods work for you? That is different for everyone. We all have different needs. We all have different bodies, different physiologies. So it's really important to find what works for us. But actually deciding what is going to be a satisfying because if we're not eating foods that are satisfying, we'll be constantly searching for a food that is satisfying. And oftentimes we end up in the spiral of like under eating and then overeating because we didn't choose what was satisfying in the first place, but also going to help us feel good and, you know, live the life we want to live and have the energy we want to have. So how I help clients and how I help them work through deciding exactly what to eat for them is a very simple three-step process. Really, it's three questions that they can ask themselves to decide what to eat. And this can be when they're meal planning, and it can also be in the moment, or really it should be both. When you're planning out your meals and you're deciding what you might want for the week, how you've been feeling but also meal to meal. So when you're deciding what you're going to eat for breakfast, what you're going to eat for lunch, or if you're going to stick to your plan for dinner or, you know, switch it out that night, these three questions can be really helpful um, in deciding exactly what to eat. So here are the three questions to ask. And I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I'm going to do a whole blog post on this because I can go into a lot more detail, but I'm going to kind of go through the questions. And if you have follow-up questions, feel free to ask them. And I will put this all into a blog post for you as well. It'll probably come out in the next few weeks just to give you a little bit more detail on this. And, you know, before I go into these questions, I do want to mention too, you're not always going to get it right. And that's okay. And when I say right, there is no real right. There is what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And sometimes you're going to make a choice and it's not going to work for you. And that's okay. Every experience is a learning experience. That is the beauty of intuitive eating. Every time you learn, you move forward closer towards your food freedom and your beautiful balance. So I want you to keep that in mind. You can ask these questions. Sometimes you're still going to be like, eh, that didn't work for me. And that's okay. So question number one that you can ask yourself is, what am I craving? What do I actually want to eat? Is there something you've been thinking about all day and you're like, I really want a sandwich for lunch? It could be a quick answer like that where you're like, I've been thinking about having a sandwich all day and I really want a sandwich for lunch. Or it could require a little bit more further thought. So you can think about it and ask what you're craving and ask what you want to eat and think, okay, I want something with crunch, something that's a little bit salty, maybe something soft too. And then from there, you can kind of deduce what you want to actually eat from those things that you're thinking, okay, that sounds really good to me right now. So just think about adjectives to describe food. Crunchy, creamy, soft, hard, crackly, crispy, sweet, sour, salty, spicy, savory. Do you want something hot or something cold? Do you want something warming or something cooling? This is the first step to just determining what will be satisfying. So there are really two big parts to deciding what to eat. And the first part is what will be satisfying, what will taste good and, you know, satisfy my needs. So what will fill me up, but also satisfy my desire for food. And then the part where you're like, well, what will also nourish me and make me feel good? So this is the first part. What are you craving? What do you actually want to eat? So asking yourself, 
simply, what do I want to eat right now? Question number two. This is an important question that a lot of people miss, and this is where I think a lot of women stumble in intuitive eating. Um, This is the practical side of intuitive eating, and it is what do I have available? This is also why flexibility is really important in grocery shopping and food prepping, um, because a lot of women think that intuitive eating stops at what am I craving? So what do I want to eat? And they eat whatever they want to eat. But listen, if I only ever ate what I was craving in the moment, I might be eating cheese, red wine, and brownies every day at 10 (laughs) a.m. Maybe not. But I wish I could live like that, but that's not realistic, and I'm pretty sure I wouldn't feel very good. Though now I kind of want to do an experiment. (laughs) But joking aside, the next question is really important, okay? What do I have available? Do I have food on hand that fits the desire I I identified above? So learning the foods that you most desire or are most satisfying to you can help you ensure that you have a variety of these type of foods on hand to meet your needs. So when you go grocery shopping, you you buy the foods that you like. You buy a variety of the foods you like. So when you notice that you're craving something, that your body wants something, you have that on hand. A lot of people think of intuitive eating and they think it's so hard where they're like, oh, I just, you know, eat when I'm hungry and I eat whatever I want. So I'm going to have to be going to the store or going to a restaurant, you know, all day, every day. And it doesn't have to be like that. It's about learning about yourself, learning the foods that satisfy you, learning the foods that you really, truly like, and having those on hand for the most part so you can satisfy this. So for instance, I really love a good like cracker and cheese combo or hummus for snacking. So those are things I always have on hand. We go to Trader Joe's, I grab a couple hummuses. I love to make it at home as well, but it's good to have a couple because they do last quite a while in the fridge. I love Simple Mills crackers so I um, or Mary's crackers, and I make sure I have a couple boxes of those on hand. But sometimes I also love something sweet and sometimes I need something a little bit more substantial for a snack if I know it's going to be a while before I'm able to eat another meal. So I love perfect bars for that because I feel like they're more substantial. They're a little bit sweeter. So that's something I like to keep on hand too. And I just keep those in the fridge. I love vegetables, but I really don't like snacking on them. I'm just not one for raw vegetables. I'd rather have them roasted. I do like them in salads, but I I'm not lacking in vegetables, so I save them for lunches or dinners or even breakfast and smoothies, but I don't keep veggies on hand for snacking for myself because I just typically don't crave them. So I keep the foods that I crave on hand, and then I make sure that the other foods that I know make me feel good, I have in other places. And what having these foods on hand does is help you avoid that phantom food syndrome where you eat all of the things in place of the thing you actually wanted but didn't allow yourself to have in the first place. This is why permission is really important. Eating the foods you actually like so you are actually satisfied and we'll talk about the third question soon and are actually feeling good on a daily basis. If you don't have exactly what you desired on hand, that's okay too, but you can ask yourself, Is there something else that sounds good and satisfying that would work for me right now? And the last question that you want to ask yourself is simply, how do I want to feel? This is where the rubber meets the road. All three questions are important, but this question ties the first two together and connects it with your long-term health and happiness. This is the question that creates balance. If you know what you're craving, either it's specific or a decent idea, you know what you want, and you have that food or meal on hand, how do you want to feel? And does that food, does that item meet that need? And if the answer is no, if you are craving brownies and you're like, I really want some brownies, but it's lunchtime and I feel like I need something more substantial for lunch, well, what is another choice you can make that will be satisfying and make you feel good. If you have brownies on hand, then maybe you could have a brownie with your lunch. It doesn't mean that you have to have brownies for lunch. Is there another choice you can make that will be satisfying and make you feel good? And another question that you could ask um, could be, could I add something? I kind of mentioned this, but could I add something to that craving to make me feel good and make me satisfied? So that would be like having that brownie on the side. So it could be another choice you could make that would be satisfying and make you feel good, or it could just be adding something to whatever that thing is that you're craving. And you could very well be craving a salad and think about the things that you actually want on your salad and what will make you feel good. So just some greens and carrots might taste good, and especially if you pair them with a really nice dressing, 
But will that fill you? Will that satisfy you? Will that make you feel good in more than a half an hour or an hour? What could you add to that to be satisfying and make you feel good? So what you can do is move through the options that you do have on hand and continue to use these three questions to make your decision about what you want to eat. What do I want? What do I actually have? And what will make me feel good? So aligning these three areas is just really powerful. It's a really powerful way to tune into not just what your body wants, but will also allow it to feel its best. And it does become easier over time. The more you practice asking these questions, the more they just become second nature and they begin to melt into each other. And so they're just the only question is, what do I want to eat? But all of the components, the what do I want to eat? What do I have? And what do I want to feel are just there innately. But let me assure you that there are still times I need to go through all three questions individually and make a decision that way. It doesn't mean that just because you're used to answering these questions and it becomes easier to choose what to eat that you'll never go through these questions again. The questions are always available to you to decide what to eat and to decide what will make you feel good based on what you have. And sometimes there is nothing on hand that's going to satisfy you and you do go out to lunch and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But these three questions will help to simplify things and make choosing what you want to eat less complicated. So I hope that was helpful in just giving you a little bit more insight into how I choose what to eat and how I help clients decide what to eat based on what they want, what they're craving, what they have on hand, and how they really truly want to feel. It's a great stepping stone to becoming a more intuitive eater. So those are the questions that I have today for today's Q&A. That's basically it for now. I've had so much fun over these last 50 episodes. I am so excited to finish off the year with a couple more incredible guests. I'll also be, like I said at the beginning, sharing um, some more tips on staying healthy and intuitive over the holidays and then dig into goal setting and creating habits in the new year that fit your life, that align with your values and feel really good. So I hope you're excited for all of that coming up. I think my next Q&A will probably be at episode 75. So go ahead and submit your questions if you have more questions. Chris at HealthyMamaChris.com. If you haven't yet, please head over and give me a star rating and review on iTunes. I really, really appreciate it. We've got um, 15 reviews right now or 15 star ratings and I think five reviews. But what I'm going to do is when we hit 25, I am going to go ahead and do a big giveaway for anyone who has left a review. So if you've left a review, um, make sure that you have um, left it. You've screenshotted an episode. You've tagged me in it. So I know that you've left one and I will enter you into a giveaway when we hit 25. So if you haven't yet, I would really appreciate if you left me a rating and a review. It's how this podcast can be seen and heard. This is a free resource I give to you and it will always be be free. So I just want to keep giving you um, as much value as I can. And it's helpful when more people see it as well. So I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for listening today and every day. Here's to another 150 episodes. So have a great one, friends, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, friends, so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I truly hope it encouraged and inspired you today to live a healthier life without restriction. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and give it a star rating and review in iTunes? Every rating, review, and subscribe helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear it. You can find me, Kristen, on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mama Chris or on my website, healthymamachris.com. As a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. See you in the next episode.